0: to Global Citizen Life. Today on our podcast, we have Dr. Rose Aslan. She is a transformative life coach, educator, academic, community organizer, and breathwork facilitator. A single mom based in Istanbul, she quit her position as a tenured associate professor of religion. She now supports women getting unstuck in their lives, find a healthy work-life balance, learn tools for embodiment, and bring more joy to their lives, along with a healthy boundaries and self-awareness. Well, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Sally. It's an absolute pleasure to be here.
0: So what what brought you from, or how did you go from the U.S. to Turkey and specifically Istanbul?
1: Yeah, great question. So I first ended up accidentally in Istanbul back when I was an undergraduate many years ago. um, In college, I was backpacking through Eastern Europe and I ended up in Bucharest and then it was like $15 ticket to Istanbul. So I went and I came here. This was a long time ago. And I just fell deeply in love with the city and this country. I just something really moved me. I felt so comfortable. Um, So ever since then, I've been coming here. I lived in Egypt for five years back when I was a student. And I would come here regularly, Istanbul and some other towns in the country of Turkey. And I just feel I felt gravitated towards this uh, this country and the city. And I can't really it's almost hard to explain, except it's a feeling more than uh, an intellectual concept. And. Um, 2016 and 17, when I was still a professor, I came here um, just for the summer because I wanted to say art. And then the next year I came for a research project. I basically designed a project that would allow me to come and, you know, pretend I'm doing work. I was doing work, but really I was enjoying my time in Istanbul. So I, I, I noticed I referred to it as my happy place. It really was. You know, I lived in Los Angeles wasn't my happy place you know I made do and I found beauty and friendships in that city but I it wasn't where I felt rooted I didn't feel home Um, and the concept of home is really important to me so 2021 we're in the middle of pandemic um I had my sabbatical for the whole year I had just gotten tenure at my university in Los Angeles or outside of Los Angeles and I decided to come here because I was like it's my happy place I could have gone anywhere in the world it's like why not go to the place that I really enjoy I know some people um I knew I would have a great experience so I came for the year and guess what it's been nearly 3 years and I along the way I quit my job and decided that I'm never going back to Los Angeles um, so I stayed because the first half of the pandemic or first half of 2021 was very difficult. There was lockdowns and and everything was closed and I couldn't meet anyone. But as soon as things started to open up, I was able to build a beautiful group of and community of women in my life. And just like the, my social life flourished and my healing journey really opened up here and my health uh, improved for many reasons.
0: That's fantastic. I love how you designed the opportunity to to go back to a place mm-hmm. that you loved and and you enjoy and I I know what you mean I remember back when I was in high school so it's been a few years <laughs> <laughs> um and I remember I was standing outside in front of in front of the school with a couple of my friends and I said to them I think I've been switched at birth <laughs> and they said what your parents aren't your parents and I said no not not literally I said but they're just I'll well, have this feeling in me like I'm not supposed to be living in Canada for my mm. entire life. It, it just, it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that I had, as I said, high school. So I was probably 16-ish years old. And I, I stayed in Canada for many, many more years mm-hmm. after that. But um, I completely understand what you mean. And then when it was time for me to go, there was a number of things that happened. And, and I was just it was just this feeling like a, a gut instinct where I, it was just, it's, it's time to go now. Like mm-hmm. I I need, I need to go now. Um, and I made it work. I, I did things. Yeah. I first started out in Costa Rica and I've been living in many places since then, but, but I do understand that, that more of that feeling of yeah. knowing than meticulous planning mm-hmm. that some people do. And not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, yeah. we, we have the desires to go for for different reasons and some people plan more and others, we just have a
1: feeling. Exactly. And actually, you know, when I was 17, I moved to Canada. I'm from the Bay Area, California, but I already wanted to leave the U.S. at 17. So I went to University of British Columbia for my undergraduate degree. It was not America, but it was very close to America, you know, and almost American, but still Canadian. Right. So this desire has been within me since I was very young, too. So I'm on the same page as you. That something also made me feel that, yes, the U.S. is my country where I'm born and raised, but I feel like a global citizen and that the world really is like where i belong not just the us
0: right and so hmm so many questions so you now have a temporary residency is that correct
1: yes uh, unfortunately how has
0: that process worked for you like what was it like going through the process how long did it take what what were some of the the struggles and or surprises yeah. going through that
1: That's a hard question because I love this country, but the most difficult thing about it is that, um, is the instability of being able to stay here permanently without being a wealthy person. Um, So I just got my renewal last week and I had to wait five excruciating weeks to find out if I was going to get renewal or not, because basically right now, unfortunately, there's been a lot of anti-immigration sentiments, anti-foreign sentiments in this country for a lot of different reasons that we won't get into. But it's been a little bit more difficult. In 2021 was fine. 2022 was good. And it was getting a little bit weirder towards the end. And 2023 has not been good for foreigners. I'm lucky that I have a Western passport. But for Syrians, for people from Arab countries, um, other countries it's been really awful for them. So for me, the issue was I, a lot of Westerners have been rejected lately, even Westerners, Um, um First, people cannot immigrate here anymore for temporary visa. As far as I know, they don't give out first-time residency visas. They only give out renewals. And even... Only some of us get renewals. So I was very lucky and I'm so grateful that I got my renewal for the, I don't know, fourth time I think it was. Uh, I applied in March and I only got six months, uh, which was very stressful because I had to invest in a year worth of health insurance and documents and I paid for a year, but I only got half a year. So then I had to apply again this this month or last month. Um, so it's, it is difficult because I feel like this is my home. But the government doesn't necessarily agree in the way they make me uh, do the amount of paperwork they ask. It took weeks to prepare the paperwork and the the stamps and the the different signatures I needed to get to get the residency visa. It's a temporary visa that I renew hopefully every year, but sometimes every six months. And a lot of us are quite nervous about the situation. Um, if I had more income, then I would buy a property and it would be much more stable, but I'm not at that point where I'm ready to invest in a property. So I have to hope that every year I will get that renewal. And so far I have, so God willing, it'll continue. Well,
0: we'll keep our fingers crossed for you Thank for you. sure. Yeah. Um. And okay. So that's, yeah, that's a very stressful situation. What about opening a bank account there? Do you have a bank account there?
1: Yeah, that's easy. I did that as soon as I okay. arrived before I even had, I just had the tourist visa and I even opened up with my passport before I had the visa, uh, the residency visa. So that's actually easy. So some things are surprisingly easy, like yesterday yesterday. I went and got my, did the final step for my Turkish driver's license and I, and it'll be coming in the mail any day. But that was a four month process of excruciating bureaucracy. But for the final process, I, I just made an appointment online. I went to the government office. And in five minutes, I was in and out, you know? So it's like, that was wow. too easy. Like, what's the catch? You know, it's in the mail. But it was also a four month process, right? Right. Um, so a lot of these things are, can be really challenging um, for sure. Yeah. And
0: that's that's very interesting that pretty much just with with your with your passport that um, and your your tourist visa that you could open up a bank account and not have to have some type of residency or visa or work contractor or something like that. in hand, so yeah. it made it, it very. It might easy. depend
1: on the bank Uh and it depends oh, yes. the branch. Like my bank, there's only one branch on my part of the city that will serve foreigners. Others will just refuse okay. to work with me. Um, Literally, like they just will ignore me. Uh, but there's one where there's a bank manager who's kind and speaks English and deals with foreigners specifically. Um, But I can't say all banks are like this. It's not always as easy as it was for me, and that was in 2021. So maybe it's harder now. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, it's it is true that each bank. Um, I I, I guess, yes, down to the to the branch level. Mm -hmm. Um, But each bank definitely has different policies Mm -hmm. and procedures and and requirements and things. Mm -hmm. So um, it it is a bit surprising that down to the branch level, Mm -hmm. though, that it would still vary that much. And so if somebody is trying to open up a bank account in another country, don't give up. Yes, you got to be persistent and and keep trying because there will be ones that work with foreigners. And as you said, there's there's ones that just won't
1: how it works is like uh, here in Istanbul, we have this amazing foreign women's group. That's like the best resource ever for all the foreign women. And this is where we get the tips and pieces of advice for which bank branch of which bank can we go get the account at? Where can I do open my utilities? Which specific clerk should I speak to? So thank God for uh, these groups of foreign women who really support one another.
0: Yes, that is so helpful when we're moving internationally, especially, um you know there's different ways too because some people are moving perhaps with their their spouse or partner Mm -hmm. and that person has a job and they're Mm -hmm. going along with and then for those who have kids they'll meet people through through that because they have kids Mm -hmm. going to school and stuff and Mm -hmm. then there's ones that are more like me that Mm -hmm. just do it by ourselves Mm -hmm. and and go and so there's you know, I, I say there's pros and cons to absolutely everything, but sometimes there can be a few more challenges just because we do have to deal with everything by ourselves, yeah. and and we don't have that somebody else to yes. uh, to help start that network or or to help mm-hmm. get things done.
1: Exactly. And I must say, even though Istanbul is a very big city, English is not widely spoken, especially in government offices and banks, it's very rarely spoken. So I do a lot of that. My Turkish isn't amazing yet, unfortunately. So I do a lot of this through Google Translate, uh, okay. sometimes asking my Turkish friends to help on the phone or coming with me. But it's really, I'm at the mercy of people being patient with me to deal with, uh, you know, the difficulty in communication as well. So that's also another block in doing anything here. Right. And, you know,
0: I find that to be very similar in most countries Mm -hmm. Um, when you're dealing with government things, just because we come from English speaking countries does not mean and nor should they have to speak English to deal Mm -hmm. with us. We are we are there. And I was the same when I was in Costa Rica um, or in Spain with dealing with government things Mm -hmm. is having a friend or translate Mm -hmm um deal with that because there's they just don't and I mean we're in their country so they don't have to accommodate us really it's nice when they can it makes it a lot easier for us but at the same point um it it should not be
1: expected exactly yeah yeah so um
0: let's see how how often do you go back to the United States to visit family and
1: friends great question I think I've been back one twice in a little less than three years yeah
0: right Um, well and part of that was because the pandemic was going on and so that's yes I didn't go back this year I just
1: uh, because my family came to visit uh, me in Istanbul and then my son actually went back with them to California so he could have his American summer but I stayed back so I could have some uh, time to travel and be by myself so that was also really lovely
0: that that works good too. That's one of the the benefits as well of us living abroad. Is then family and friends can come exactly. visit us, get the vacation, and we can show them things like, okay, yes, yes. here's all like touristy stuff that everybody needs to see. Yeah. But then let's go see the real parts of, of the city or, or the exactly. country that the, the tourists don't always go to. And that's always a nice
1: thing. Exactly. I love showing friends and family like where I live, what my life is like. And the best thing about where I live is a lot of people my networks and friend circles from around the world, because of being an academic, I have networks around the world. A lot of people pass through Istanbul. So on a regular basis, I'm meeting with people who were close friends or acquaintances, and then they pass through and we get to meet up. And it's just so lovely living in a hub because I don't think I used to live in hubs where people would pass through but Istanbul is a gigantic hub and regularly I'm meeting people from different places and it's just lovely to continue those friendships uh in this magical place
0: that's great
1: and so how would you say that your
0: life compared like now compared to when you're in the states on just like the average day-to-day basis how how is it different
1: yeah it's like night and day. Uh, Back in the US, I was mainly on the tenure track, mainly a single mother for most of my time as an assistant professor. I um, worked about an hour from my university, so I had a um, an hour-long commute on the Cal- Los Angeles highway system. My son first went to preschool at my university, and then he moved to school near the house, so that was complicated as a single parent. You know, he's somewhere and I'm somewhere else. Having to go to meetings past his pickup time, like, it's just so complicated not being able to afford a babysitter because being on a, a single, single um, income as a... Um, in Los Angeles was not easy. So I would start my morning, I don't know, 6, 630, get the very small child, get him ready for, you know, get him dressed and eating breakfast and lunch, drop him off to school, get to the university, spend all day teaching and meetings, trying to do research, service, many things. Come home, it's dark, you know, when it's the middle of the mm-hmm. winter. Um, if I can, if I'm lucky, go to the gym. But even though I'm exhausted, put him in the childcare in the gym. You know, go home and just veg out, and then grade and prepare for classes after he sleeps. You know, because I have more work to do. On the weekend, grade and prepare for classes, write in my book or my research projects, because there's always when you're an academic, there's always something to do. And if you're not doing that, you feel guilty, so you have to do it. So I often like neglected. I didn't neglected my son, but I favored work over spending more time quality time with him my life is so different now because I run my own business I work from home um, so I have no commute which is like the best thing ever (laughs) I hope to never have a commute again so I get to enjoy Istanbul without commuting I think for people who live here and commute they don't enjoy the city very much Um, you know so I wake up I get him ready for school. I give him breakfast, make his lunch. The school bus comes right below the apartment building. So he just leaves from the door and I say, goodbye, I love you. And he gets on the bus by himself. He's almost 10 now. Um, so he's gone till 4.30. So I am I go for a walk if I can at my beautiful park nearby. Um, I might do yoga, work with my trainer. I like slow mornings, which I never had mm-hmm. in L.A., and then I start working, you know, having meetings, coaching, um, collaborating. I do that till four thirty. He comes home, then I spend time with him. Then after he sleeps, that's when I kind of start having more calls with North America people in North America, training, whatever. I always have things going on where I, where I write, um, but it's very enjoyable to do those things. So that's my that's my schedule very different. I couldn't imagine. it's so much more. Enjoyable, and there's a beautiful routine that I'm trying to establish and get more stable that really um, brings amazing benefits, yeah,
0: I'm the same way. Um very many a lot of similarities. Um, mm-hmm. single parents get waking up early, drop my daughter off. Um I had a safety consulting and training company when I lived in Canada. Then, Sometimes if I was teaching at one of the universities, I'd race across town, teach class all day, then try to rush to be back before daycare closes. Hopefully there wasn't too much traffic, make dinner, try to spend some time with her, put her to bed and then work on my business, my company and everything. So I completely relate to that. And I also relate now because now living in Europe, I love that my clients are in North America and I'm in Europe because Mm -hmm. I still get up around It varies. Sometimes I want to be early and and get up at about 6 a.m. Sometimes it'll be more of 7. Um, But I still like that early time. I love my mornings and I have my morning routine of getting up, um, you know, whether it's yoga, reading for a bit, meditating, going to the gym or jogging, like whatever it may be. And then, yeah, check some emails, do some stuff, um, but not really get into calls and things like that before one o'clock in the afternoon, because even one o'clock in the afternoon is very early right. and I've had a few people that are like, yeah, I was looking at your podcast, but everything is really early in the morning. And I said, well, that's, that's my, from one till seven, yeah. that's yeah. when I booked, that's my seven hour. And I said, if like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. if it doesn't fit, it just, it doesn't fit because I, you know, I, I don't want to be doing more than that. And I, I love having it. I was back in Canada um for a few months earlier this year and it was very strange to be waking up and within an hour to have a meeting or a podcast or work or something and I just yeah. thought I
1: don't I don't like this like,
0: yeah. I I love my morning routine.
1: Yeah definitely I love slow morning. Then if you know I'm naturally a night out and I've learned to embrace that I can't force myself to be morning person. So I'm just embracing how it works. Yeah. Right.
0: And so your son was around seven-ish when yeah. when you left Eston for time. I think
1: about that, yeah. About around that. The- yeah. he was in how- first grade.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So about six, seven, right around there. Mm. Um, how did he adapt and think of the move and and maybe some challenges or like I know kids are pretty adaptable. I moved yeah. to Costa Rica when my daughter was 13 mm. and she hated it. It was oh, no. just the timing of 13 yeah. was not good. Um, so how, how was it yeah. with him being younger? I think, I think would probably be better easier, but again, yeah. they're still missing family and friends.
1: Yeah, it was not easy, especially because the pandemic, you know, it was, I registered mm-hmm. him in a bilingual Turkish school thinking that if I stick, stick him in a school that's bilingual, he's just going to absorb Turkish. But it turns out the problem was that Um, it was almost all Turkish kids with very few foreigners. And the English was too easy. It was just so simple. And then the Turkish was too advanced, you know? And he, uh, I think language is not his forte. He has dyslexia and some other learning challenges. It didn't work and he had some bullying issues. So I had to pull him out of that school and I sent him to um, kind of the, the bigger international school in our neighborhood. And it's been a much better experience since then, uh, because there's no bullying. It's all in English. Um, I really had hoped that he would get more immersed in Turkish society and make more Turkish friends and learn the language. But I realized that because this wasn't his choice to come here, and I wanted him to enjoy it, I had to send him to a school at least for now, where he can still feel some sense of home. Even though he's one of the only American kids, the language of the school is English, and it's actually kind of cool because he's one of the only native speakers who actually speaks English at home and at school. It makes him kind of cool. He's from California. uh, So I think he's one of the cool kids. Um, His Turkish is not great, unfortunately, either, because, again, um, it's almost all foreign kids uh, who speak a huge amount of different languages. He likes it here. Um, When he goes back to the U.S. and he comes back, he's sad because he misses family and he misses being able to communicate with everyone in terms mm-hmm. of language issues. But I think he really does appreciate it because he 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 loves history. So we visit all the castles. I mean, he's traveled more than any of his peers from his old school in the US. You know, he's we've been to Mexico, Egypt, and he's lived in Turkey for nearly three years. What an experience for an American kid. It's so rare. Um, so I think he does appreciate the fact that he gets these experiences. We take a ferry ride and we see this amazing sunset over the Bosphorus and he appreciates that. You know, because I really try to teach him about the history and culture and religion. And so sometimes he might complain, but I know that he, he does appreciate and I know when he's older, he will benefit and appreciate what he has received from this experience
0: absolutely i i completely agree and i mean let's be honest um, especially with with kids or even people in general we'll, we'll always find something to complain about <laughs> right yes as as we're a kid we'll, we'll we'll complain about something even even as adults there's things that mm-hmm. oh why do they do it this way here yeah. or why why isn't it done that way or just we'll find little things to yeah. to complain about but it's it's true that as as I, they get older i i do believe that uh they they'll appreciate it more and with him at such a young age and he he still has time to catch up on on turkish and and learn more if if he chooses to do so and if he you know wants to continue living there as he gets older even in into his teenage years and stuff i'm sure he'll um he'll probably pick up on it a little bit more just for some people it as you said language isn't everybody's forte and for some of us it just takes longer than others
1: Definitely. I mean, he's already planning to go to college back in the U S though. So yes.
0: Well, <laughs> you never know by the time that yeah. comes around, we'll, we we'll see shall what's see. going
1: on in the U S who knows. Yeah. Where he'll go. Yeah. Who, who
0: knows? He may change his mind and actually just want, it might maybe go somewhere in Europe.
1: Yeah, or, he definitely might. So you never yeah, know. Definitely. Um,
0: That's, that's the great thing of once it's, I find it's for most people, it hits that first step it's yeah. that first move. Yeah. It's that first travel by themselves. It's those that, those yeah. firsts that are always the hardest. Yeah. Um, and then the the travel becomes easier because mm-hmm. as he gets older, if he wants to go back for the summer, he can just hop on a flight and go. Like, because really? that's what my daughter did at first. It was always because mm-hmm. of her age. Mm-hmm. It was back and forth just us. And then um, I knew that it was going to be getting to the point where she'd just want to go for the summer and and to to fly mm-hmm. by herself. And so the last. I don't know, the last one or two times that we went, I said, okay, I'm just, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, you know, you have to, you have to do everything just because yeah. the next time you're going to be doing it by yourself. Um, and, and it was fine. And, and she did her first flight and, and everything by herself. Cause it would went from Costa Rica to Houston, Texas, from oh. Houston, then up to to Calgary. So it's, it's That's quite complicated. Long. Yeah. Yeah, three, three and a half hours is one flight. Three hours is the next with a layover in between. So it's still a long day. And then after, and she came back home. So obviously she did it coming back. And I said, you know, like how, how was going both ways? How did everything go? I, obviously I spoke to her in between time and, and I said, you know, now that I've done it twice, mm-hmm. I actually kind of prefer traveling by myself. And I said, I love oh, it. What? <laughs> you don't want to travel with your mom? She's like, no, I don't mean it that way. But she's like, it's just it's different mm-hmm. and i just do whatever i want even though like it's only whatever you want in the airport so it's yeah. not that entertaining but but yeah so yeah. it's it's good and it gives that that confidence mm-hmm. as well to you know just to do more things alone so i i think it's oh, totally.
1: it's great he's already this summer he flew back with my family to the us and he came back on his own as a, an accompanying minor uh, the okay. age of nine so he has wow, got very I'm brave yeah
0: and wow okay yeah well because
1: it's a direct flight luckily okay. and it would have been very complicated for me to go there very expensive so as much I was like mm-hmm. if you want to go can you handle this? And he was willing to do this. And so um he made it fine. And, you know, they take care of the kids along the way. Yeah. Turkish Airlines is a really good airline. Um, They're yeah. very Turkish. People are very friendly towards kids, very open. So it's a good airline to go with, especially. Um, Yeah. yeah so it worked. He did it.
0: Wow. Um, wow. Okay. At nine, I thought, I think my daughter was, well, she, I don't think she wasn't considered an uncompanied minor. I think she was mm-hmm. considered like able, like an adult yeah. to travel by herself, but she yeah. was only Wow, 16
1: wow impressive impressive yeah yeah,
0: yeah. so yeah. but we had done that that flight so yeah. many times because when we first left we would still I still had my business in Canada so we went back and forth probably four or five times the mm-hmm. first year three to four times the second yeah. year again at least yeah. three the third so it, it was a lot so she was mm-hmm. very used to um all of that so mm-hmm.
1: It's a special experience for children to live abroad and just experience different way of living to go on local adventures and just opens up their mind to such different ways of living um, and to be much more open minded towards people who are different than them as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And what about the cost of living there? So you're in Istanbul, so I'm sure that it's more expensive in Istanbul than obviously yes. other areas. It's uh, the bigger cities are always more. But how do you find the cost of living there compared to back in in the U.S. Whether it's yeah. the last time you were there or when your parents came and, yeah. and mentioned about cost and prices?
1: Yeah, good question. So when I first came here, it was very affordable. Um, especially, I live in a neighborhood that's not the european side is a bit more expensive i live in the asian side of the city um it was it was really not not um it was very easy to live here you'd buy a bunch of groceries and it just felt like almost nothing. Um, unfortunately, with COVID and the inflation, the recession that has hit the whole world, things have gotten quite quite, quite, pricey here, uh, compared to when I first came in 2001. And it's not that long ago. But I have heard even eggs are like $10, $12 for a carton in the US now. So it's still nothing like Los Angeles. I mean, I was living in Los Angeles on, you know, a decent salary. Um, professor's salary wasn't enough, but it was enough to live. And I was living paycheck to paycheck and my money just dripped out of me. I owned a house. And so a lot of the expenses went into the house um, and I didn't have a babysitter. I didn't really do pay for entertainment. It just went into life expenses. So here, you know, my rent is much more affordable. Um, Luckily, I have a small, humble apartment that's perfect for the two of us. Um, what the difference is that I can afford things I couldn't in Los Angeles. So I can afford to have a massage, to go to a physical therapist. I can afford health insurance, private health insurance. It's very basic, but in the U.S. it would really be too much money. You know, I couldn't afford. I couldn't have quit my job in the U.S. and stayed in the U.S. Basically, you know, I can afford um, all kinds of different things that really increase my quality of life like taking the ferry is the most enjoyable thing ever it's like my water therapy my and it's I don't know maybe less than a dollar to take the ferry here in Istanbul across the across the Bosphorus right so there's all these different things that I can now do I can go to the grocery store and buy the things I need right Um, and the things I want too I can um, yeah it's 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 more things are accessible Uh, that are completely out of reach in the United States, completely, especially in a very expensive city like Los Angeles. So it's even though it's getting more expensive and I have to be a little bit more tight, a little bit more frugal because my goal is to work less so I can enjoy my my life and live a very slow life. So I don't want to work myself too hard. Um, I do live in a smart way, but in a pleasurable way too. And there's a lot of pleasures here that aren't expensive. So-
0: Right. Yeah. No, I was um in Istanbul. Oh, when was it? 20 2021? 22. Maybe it was 2021. It just seems weird to be because yeah, the pandemic was like 2020, 2021. Yeah. So it would have been near near the end of 2021. Sometimes yeah. when, when I think with the pandemic, it kind of yeah. throws off all my timing of all when blur. I was aware. Yeah. And I was only there for 10 days. And you're right, there's just so much to do, so much to see, so many free things or or very inexpensive things. And, and it really is about what do we want? Do we want to work more to make more money? Um, or do we want to work less and enjoy mm-hmm. life and just find those things that we enjoy doing that are at a lower cost? And a lot of times, there's a lot of things in every city Mm-hmm. that we can do that mm-hmm. don't have a high price tag on them
1: exactly there's and the city is full of I mean I just love walking and I love going to the ferry and I love petting cats all of that is basically Oh, you've got, they've got so much of that there then yeah <laughs> basically I'm here for the cats you know and that is just everywhere accessible you can find cats everywhere and they don't charge to pet them either right right and and so you were saying that in your
0: work you're mostly dealing with North American clients. You you deal you you work most so in the afternoon when when your son's at at school. And so what is it exactly that you do for your clients?
1: Yeah, so I work with primarily women, especially women who are spiritually oriented, and I support them. You know, they're stuck in life. They find themselves in the hamster wheel, uh, in an abusive relationship, in some situation that's really uncomfortable for them. They're like, I need. Something to change. I feel stuck, and so I work with them. And I don't have a set curriculum. Um, You know, I've gotten various coaching certifications. I'm also certified as a breathwork instructor. But really, I intuitively work with them to find out who are they, help them figure out who are they, and what do they want in a very authentic way. And so I teach them in along the way some breathwork, some embodiment, but really. It's amazing how seldom women are asked, like, what do you want? What do you love? What are your passions? What are your delights? And we, when we go very deep um, into this, and because my background is a professor of religion, and spirituality, often the people who approach me have interest and they want to talk about these topics as well. And maybe they have some trauma attached to religion or spirituality that they want to work through too. So I also uh, work with that on them.
0: Excellent. And um, Rose, if they wanted to get a hold of you or in touch
1: with you, where can they do that? Yeah, I'm on Instagram uh, under Dr. Rose Aslan, um, Facebook, Rose Aslan. I have a website, compassionflow.com, and I'm also very Googleable. If, can you say that? Google a We yes. can say whatever
0: we want. We yes. can say Google of Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I'll make sure that we have links to the, all of those yeah. in our, our show notes for everybody to make it yeah. easy. And so one final question, um, if people are unsure about moving, they want to, they're scared, they're nervous. What is a piece of advice that you would give
1: our listeners? I think they need to be quiet and st- and go into themselves to see what is it they want and how does their body feel? Because for me, I was a very analytical person as an intellectual, as an academic, and I was listening to my mind. But when I'm quiet and I go down to my body, it turns out the body has a lot of wisdom. So I think that they, sh- I advise them to uh, stop listening to their mind and all their thoughts and just drop down and see, do they feel safe? Does it feel good to think about moving to another country if they're ready for that? Sometimes it's not the right time, sometimes it's their, their, um, they should have done it last year, right? So their body also contains a lot of wisdom. And so don't just make rash decisions and also very carefully calculate and plan, you know, the, a big move across the world, um, because it is, a, especially if you're a parent, for example.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's great advice. And I just want to say thank you very much for your time today. I know our listeners got a lot of valuable information and hopefully some of them will be in touch with you if they want to work with you or need some help.
1: Thank you, Sally. It was an absolute delight to speak to you and to meet another uh, person like yourself who also found home elsewhere outside of her home country.